cliffcentral.com. Oh, I thought we were going to do a Rwanda catch-up. No? Yes, good idea. Oh. That's what everyone wants to know. The two are the same. Uh, that is so the most first important. Of all, well, I, I mean, I got these updates from Ben over the weekend, which was hysterical. Uh, it seems like he was having the best time. You saw all these really important landmarks, like the actual Hotel Rwanda. Yeah. You so went the, to the cricket. Yeah. The, um, it, like, you know how much I love Rick and Morty? Yeah. I just think it's a very clever show. And, like, there's some real universal truths in that show. Yes. So, when you arrive in Kigali, you feel like you're in another dimension. It's like you're in Africa, but it's, I don't understand this place. It's very clean. It's, some people actually refer to it as like the North Korea of Africa because there's a lot of, like, control there. You can't really misbehave. And it's so small. Like this, I've never been to an international city where there's no highways. So you literally come out of the airport and you're in the roads and, um, there's like a bajillion, bajillion uh, bi- like bikes because that's, they have the bike taxis there. Mm-hmm. And then we stayed in a very posh hotel, which is very nice. And then we just took a walk down the street and it was like there's no one out, like nobody. And they went to this 24 hour uh, supermarket, which was just hilarious. Like just the, everything and everything under one place. But the real, the reason I was there is because they now have a cricket ground. So these, uh, a few years back, this, uh, Tory MP in England, he had a dream of taking cricket to, uh, Rwanda and they started this whole thing. Like they wanted to create a ground, but everything there is very hilly. There's no flat ground. It's very difficult to have it. Uh, unfortunately this man passed away. But his son carried on with the dream of having cricket in Rwanda. So I think it took about six or seven years to create this ground. It took a lot of fundraising. It took a lot of the, like people, a lot of role players to make this ground what it is. And if you go onto my Instagram feed, you'll see this place is incredible. So this weekend unveiled the whole thing. There's a week full of tournaments and then there was a big celebrity match on Saturday. But Sarah Ferguson was there. Everyone's favorite. Duchess of York? Yep. Yeah. See it? There she was. Ben. Okay. Same now hotel as me. <laughs> She was there. The I have to there. say, Rwanda doesn't get me hot. Meeting President of Rwanda, right. yeah, I could give that a pass. Meeting Sarah she Ferguson, was there. she was there. She's she's a bit she's longer in the tooth now, but she was there giving her all. <laughs> oh. So it was like a big celeb event, and Kigali is incredible. So I was there as part of the entertainment. So I was the DJ. My brother was putting all this together, and someone that he works with internationally was basically coming in to make this event like a really big deal. So, for the first couple of days, my brother and I were literally going around Kigali finding people who could facilitate a party. So, we found a guy <laughs> with a sound system who then knew a, this woman who had 45 different dancers, who then knew this guy who was a hype man slash MC. So, within the space of two days, my brother and I, in between gin and tonics and local beers, we managed to put this whole thing together. But it was crazy. We were taken all over the city. We met all kinds of strange people. It really was like being on a Rick and Morty adventure. Oh my goodness. It was just everywhere we went. Okay, so obviously we all know the history of Rwanda with the genocides. So everywhere you go, there's metal detectors and you've got to scan bags and there's a lot of security everywhere. There's, uh, when you, the hotel was near the presidential palace and there are men with big guns just hanging out there. Oh, nice. Ooh. So we went to the ground and we set everything up and the, the event was amazing. It, okay. It, it rained properly for like the first half of the day. So much so we thought the cricket wasn't going to happen. Ended up happening. Massive success. The cricket was amazing. I won't bore you with that. But, um, anyone we know playing? Well, Herschel Gibbs was the captain of the one team. All right. And then ex, uh, English captain Michael Vaughan was the captain of the other team. Okay. And there were a few other, like, international well, some, players. Some pretty high profile people then. Yeah, like, it really, really was. Okay. But then when the president arrives, you think Blue Light Brigade's hero quite something. 
So the president arrives at the cricket there and it's just these really big four by fours because obviously the roads are a bit more, yeah, treacherous. Mm-hmm. And he came out, he said a bit of a speech and then he kind of left. But as he arrives, you just notice there's like soldiers all over the place. So there's like a road that there's like dirt roads everywhere and every sort of checkpoint, there's just more and more soldiers and it is hectic. Like we had to park, we were VIPs <laughs> and we had to park far away and then you get properly frisked. Everything gets checked. Sucks. So, um, there's, there's a day, one, one set, the last Saturday every month, the whole town, everybody in Rwanda basically has to come and pick up rubbish and clean up everything. So for three hours, you will not allowed to do anything other than just clean up your community. So we're driving to this, this ground. So we had, you know, clean up immunity. We had these papers that said we we're cool to drive. <laughs> clean every, up immunity. every kilometer, a heavily armed police person stopped us and asked us why we we're driving. But the streets are empty. So just imagine a busy Saturday morning anywhere in the world. There will not be a car in Kigali. And you look around and it's so weird. It's like, this is like a movie, not a car. Wow. And there's no rubbish. There's nothing. Do you remember Simon Allison telling us about Rwanda and telling us about how everybody's talking about how the, the place is so clean and, you know, there's this new Silicon Valley boom there. And there's all these tech companies moving in. But this is the dark side of it is that you get stopped by armed police and asked why you're not cleaning. And we asked our, one of our local guys, like, what happens if you do get caught? He's like, I don't know. No one's ever, what, ever, ever driven. No one takes a chance. Like, you just don't just, take the chance. You'll disappear. Wow. So I, I, I had a, re- I had a fantastic time. I really did. Going to this new city. I love traveling, as you know. And the whole thing with the cricket, it was amazing. But then our last day, which is yesterday, we went to the genocide memorial, which is, really something everyone has to go and do or at least understand what went on there and it gives you the full history so from what happened when it all starts with colonialism the belgians were obviously trying to like research the locals treated them like complete other animals so they never had any issues with each other but the belgians were like okay well you guys are a little bit rich so you'll be the, the 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 Tutsis, and then you guys, well, you'll be the Hutu, and then the the native pygmies, they all, they were the Twa, what? but they were very small. <laughs> so what they did was they created these these tribal oh, divisions. They trade they created these tribal divisions, and then from there, that's where the tensions came because when the colonials then moved out, they said to the Tutsis, "Well, you guys can basically be in charge here." The Hutus obviously didn't enjoy that, and then all the things just the divisions kept going and going, and it all sort of. Um, came to a head in the mid-90s. So you go through this memorial. There's 250,000 people buried on the site. So think of a quarter, quarter of a million people, people who died in the genocide are all buried in this one site. People are still to this day being buried there because their remains are being found in unmarked graves around the country mm. because it really was that savage. In about 100 days, up to a million people were just absolutely massacred. And we're talking about kids being macheted here. And you go through this memorial and you get like a little audio pack and you walk from place to place and you just put, put in the number of where you are and it'll tell you exactly what happened and who was involved and that kind of stuff. It was really, really fascinating. It's quite a harrowing place, obviously, and wow. the sheer numbers of it all. So then we had to wait because our flight was, as I said earlier, it was at like 10.30 at night. So I spent the rest of the day just researching the current president, how he came to power. Mm-hmm. And Rwanda is fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And you think, like you're saying, it's the Silicon Valley boom and all this kind of stuff. But then there's some other stories about the president. How is it that he is still in charge? Because Rwanda is a one-party state, basically. Yeah, and he, um, he's been, uh, I think he's in for four terms already. Well, Gareth, there's, sure. a, there's a new amendment to the Constitution that means he might be there until about 2037. 
Well, even if he, yeah, he might not be alive, but he'll still be president. You can see why they sometimes call it the North Korea of Africa. Yeah, but there's secret police. And then I met this other guy. So I got a great interview for you, Gareth. Yeah. This young dude, he makes films. He's a documentary maker kind of guy, but he's young. He's like younger than me. And he not just slightly refers to himself as someone who, who, who documents the extreme um, human behaviors of the world. So he's done documentaries with like neo-Nazis living in England or America. He's infiltrated ISIS cells in London. And his big goal right now is to interview Rocket Man in North Korea. So he's been there a few times. He's got great contacts there. He was meant to be there this last week. And then suddenly he was told, no, you can't be here right now. So he's, he's, he's making all the right sort of strides to making this interview happen because he's going at it from like it's telling different stories around humanity. But this dude had so many incredible stories from all his travels. And he was telling me about how Dennis Rodman, you know, he went to North Korea. Mm-hmm. And now apparently he, um, Kim Jong-un hates him. Like oh, really? really despises Dennis Rodman. So we all thought they were bros. Yeah, I thought they were, they were good friends. So Dennis Rodman <laughs> went there and apparently he was so abusive to everybody. He got really hammered. He trashed his hotel room and this kind of, you don't do this kind of stuff there. You just don't. So Kim Jong-un Shit. just does not like him. Don't go back anytime soon. Dennis Rodman basically can't go back. Mm. So if you thought that him and Kim were bros. I he was, yeah, I thought he was uh, Kim's mate and they were going to um, convert the American society into North Korea lovers. Well, that's what you thought. But he also apparently blabbed about having a picnic with um, the Great One's daughter. Oh, bad and, uh It's very secretive of the offspring of the Great One bad move so yeah there's there's some stories but again like you go to events like this you find people who do very interesting things in life i met another girl her job is to basically fight against negative propaganda she works for an actual advertising agency and she gets her agency gets money from government to basically balance um hatred so if there's a terrorist attack it's their job to basically see what's happening on social media and try balance opinions around things. So they go into communities, they create communications around don't hate all Muslims because you think they're all terrorists. And her full-time job is creating balance and conversations in the media. That's so basically, job. like uh, obviously I joked and said, so she, you've never worked for Bell Pottinger then. And she thought that was pretty funny because essentially her job is opposite of Bell Pottinger. Huh. Instead of spreading hatred, she's trying to curb it. Exactly. Huh. And it's an entire division of a reputable ad agency that are doing that. Nice. Just really, really fascinating people all around. But in trying to curb that, are they also creating fake news? That's what I said. So who who has the monopoly on the like the chosen word that everyone should abide by? Or the truth. <laughs> or the truth in that matter as well. That's very But, I mean, like, she goes on some amazing, amazing jobs, like, just... She's just finding out about what happens in the country. Like another thing is that a lot of Pakistani women in England are still to this day completely oppressed, as in living in basements, bearing children, and that's mm. about it. And her job is to also go out into these communities and try to assimilate them into English culture. So it's to tell those people, like, look, you can't keep your child bride in the basement. It's not kind of what we do around here. Firstly, maybe don't have a child bride. Yeah. yeah, that's probably a good place to start. But this is the thing. There's focused campaigns around this kind of stuff, addressing these ills in society. Cliffcentral.com